0: Anne M. Jarvis, who first suggested an annual observance for mothers. At a funeral for her mother, she passed out carnations to every person that attended. This was on May 10, 1908. And within a few years, Mother's Day was observed in a number of large cities in the United States. Then on May 9, 1914, President Woodrow Wilson proclaimed the second Sunday in May would be observed as Mother's Day. The purpose of this was to express public expression of our love and reverence for mother, the mothers of our country. Somewhere between the youthful energy of a teenager and the golden years of a woman's life lives a marvelous person we know as Mother. A mother is old-fashioned to her teenager, mom to her third-grader, and mommy to her two-year-old. A mother is a curious mixture of patience, kindness, understanding, discipline, purity, and love, and terror. We probably see that too sometimes. She can cry when she is happy, laugh when she is heartbroken, and work when she's feeling ill. A mother is as gentle as a lamb and as strong as a lion. She's a picture of helplessness when dad is near and a marvel of ingenuity when she is alone. A mother has the angelic voice of uh, the voice of an angel when she sings a lullaby to the baby in her arms, yet that same voice is a loudspeaker when she calls the boys in for supper or cheers them on at the game. A mother has a fascinating ability to be almost everywhere at once, and she sees all. There's hardly more a greater thrill in life than pointing to that amazing woman and saying, that's my mom. Today, there's an almost stigma I guess a negative stigma attached to a lady who chooses to stay home and raise her children. In a day when the career woman is elevated to an ideal, sometimes motherhood is disparaged. I love the story that Tony Campolo tells of his wife, Peggy, who uh, when they had small children, she decided that she would stay home and raise them even though she was a brilliant woman with an earned doctorate. Sometimes they would go to events that would have snobbish women at them who kind of looked down at uh, homemakers, and they would ask that dreaded question, What do you do? She came up with an answer. This is what she would say. I'm socializing two homo sapiens in the dominant values of the Judeo-Christian tradition in order that they may be instruments in the transformation of the social order and might realize the eschatological potentiality of utopia. And what do you do? Well, I'm just a doctor or I'm just a, a lawyer would be the response to that. Hey, you're not just a mother. You are a domestic engineer, you're a chef, you're a comforter, you're a stylist, you're a laundry worker, a taxi driver, you're a comedian, even though uh, your jokes will never reach dad joke proportions, but uh, you're a cheerleader, you're a nurse, you're a hairstylist, you're a psychiatrist, and how are you paid? Well, hugs and kisses when they're young, contempt when they're teenagers, annoyance when they're young adults, and adoration when they have kids of their own. As we look at to the friends of Jesus, and we've been looking at different people, today we look at his first and the best friend he ever had. We see the one who nursed him, changed his diaper, made him feel safe. She cheered him as he took his first step. She removed the splinters that he got from dad's carpenter shop. She was his greatest supporter, loved him like no one else did. In fact, She was there when he drew his very first breath. And she stood by his side as he struggled for his last. She's the only human being that was there for his birth and his death. And we're, of course, talking about his mother. Today we consider Mary. Let's start reading, if we would, at Luke chapter 1, verse number 26. Luke 1 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin, espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail thou that art highly favored that Lord, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary for thou hast found favor with God. and Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the Highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Talking today about the friend of Jesus, Mary. Father, I pray you'd help us uh, as we look to honor mothers today, but also to challenge each and every one of our hearts from your word. May you be with us as we do so in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me begin by dispelling some myths about Mary. Over the years, she has been deified by some given a position that she would have never agreed to, nor did the Bible ever attribute to her. Uh, There are those that hold to the doctrine of perpetual virginity, which means that Mary was a virgin all of her life. But the Bible clearly dispels that myth in Mark 3 when it talks about Jesus having other brothers and sisters. Mary had children after Jesus with Joseph. Still others say that Mary, after she died, was raised from the dead and ascended to heaven, and now she's our mediator in prayer. But the Bible absolutely dispels that as well. Mary was a wonderful, godly woman, but she is not our mediator. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 2, 5, for there, and this couldn't be clearer, for there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Not Mary, but the Lord Jesus Christ. Mary, above anyone else, would be appalled at the fact that she is worshiped today. And by the way, this goes back all the way to the days of Jesus. You might not realize this, but the Catholics didn't invent this theory. They, they, uh, they maybe capitalized on it, but many people have, have gone this route all the way back in Luke chapter 11, verse 27. And, and uh, maybe you've heard it before, but the prayer that Catholics will pray to Mary goes like this. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. Now, in Luke 10, eleven twenty-seven, listen as I read this and see if you can't see the similarity. And it came to pass as he spake these things, Jesus, a certain woman of the company lifted up her voice and said unto him, Blessed is the womb that bare thee and the paps which thou hast sucked. Jesus quickly, quickly shut that down. He says, Nay, nay, rather blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. Mary is not to be worshipped. She is not to be lifted to some sort of godlike figure. It is a tragedy that people have made idols out of her and essentially worship her because that is not what the Bible proposes at all for Mary. However, she was a godly woman. She was a woman of great character. And uh, just because she is not elevated to the position that some people put her does not mean we can't learn some lessons from her. She can and should be honored as a woman of great faith. In the Bible, she's called the mother of our Lord. She is called highly favored among women. Mary deserves a great deal of respect among Christian people. She was born in Nazareth during the reign of Herod the Great. She spoke Aramaic with a Galilean accent, but she lived in a multilingual world. Uh, the people around her, uh, the soldiers, spoke in Latin. Greek was the uh, language of education and business. Hebrew was the language of the religious life. She was a part of the peasantry, which included people with uh, different trade skills A typical family home that she might have been raised in uh, consisted of three or four houses with one or two rooms each that would be built around an open courtyard. And the relatives would share a cistern, an oven, and a millstone for grinding. uh, And domestic animals would live there with them as well. Uh, Mary would have grown up doing household chores and many other things uh, that would have kept her busy. And by the way, it is a good thing for us to teach our children to work. Amen? That is something that is being lost today. If hard work is the key to success, many people would rather pick the lock. But hard work is important for success. Uh, you will not see success without hard work. I like Vince Lombardi. He said the only place you'll find uh, success before work is the dictionary. But in life, you're going to have to have work before you have success. There is an epidemic today of laziness in our culture. And if you teach your child to work, you're going to put him on a fast track to success. Just last month, I was reading a Wall Street Journal article And it talked about Tim Comforti, uh, Kip Comforti, I'm sorry. He owns a package shipping company in Pennsylvania. And they interviewed him because for years he's been hiring college students and high school students to come and work at his facility. And he was tired of these young employees who would arrive late. They'd call out often. When they were there, they'd play on their phones instead of doing their jobs. And so about a year ago, he started to recruit people that are more likely to carry AARP cards than the newest iPhone. And uh, this is what he said, the learning curve is a bit longer, but once they get it, it's so refreshing. Their shift starts at 9 and they show up at 8.50, ready to go. It's their work ethic. And the article goes on to talk about how older workers are more and more in demand in uh, companies today. 75% of people over the age of 65 say that hard work is very important. Just over half of 29 and under uh, people say that hard work is important. We're losing youthful ambition. And that's why people 55 years and older are the fastest growing segment in our workforce, according to federal data today. I'm simply saying we ought to be teaching our kids to not be afraid of work. Amen? Work is a good thing. Even a mosquito doesn't get a pat on the back until he goes to work, all right? Uh, Our kids ought to as well. Some of our kids are so lazy today, if they got an award for it, they'd send you to pick it up, all right? We need to teach our kids to work, and Mary would have had a good work ethic. She would have been eligible for marriage as early as 13 years of age, which was about the age when the angel came to her. Mary lived with Joseph and Jesus And then uh, after Jesus was born, uh, there was James and Joseph and Judas, three sons that she had, and Simon, four, and at least two sisters, according to Mark 6.3. Mary was a tough girl. She was capable of walking the hill country of Judea while she was pregnant. She gave birth in a stable. She would uh, annually make the four or five day trip on foot to to Jerusalem. Uh, She would engage in hard labor at home. As a Jew, she had heard a biblical prophecy throughout her entire life. And she too would have expected the promised Messiah to come one day. And lo and behold, she became part of that prophecy. She became part of that plan when the angel declared to her, and behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Now, boy, you would think that giving birth to the Son of God, giving birth to the Messiah would carry some fanfare and prestige. But beginning, uh, the beginning of Jesus' humble life was very difficult for Mary. She gave birth to Jesus about 90 miles away from home. She did not give birth in a sanitary hospital, but a stable. She did not lay her newborn baby in a crib, but in a manger, in a feeding trough. And then Mary and Joseph had to flee to Egypt for two years because there was a price on the little boy's head. When they came back, Matthew 2.21 tells us that Joseph wanted to settle, uh, wanted to settle in Judea, which of course would make a lot of sense. Because why go back to Nazareth where everybody thinks that Mary had an affair? Everybody thinks that she's an adulteress. Why would you go back there? Judea would be a fresh start. They could start over, but God made it clear that they were to go back to that difficult place and live in Nazareth. And Mary lived the rest of her life under a cloud of suspicion. When Mary announced her pregnancy, there was no baby shower. There was no social media announcement. There was no... Gender reveal, praise God. I am not a big fan of gender reveal parties, okay? Uh, And and I like when people just tell you, that's how we used to do It's going to be a boy or it's going to be a girl without this big fanfare. Plus, aren't we supposed to wait till they get to the wise age of five so they can choose on their own? Uh, I don't know. There was a very real danger that Joseph would divorce her, but it went further than that. There was actually a danger of her life. Deuteronomy chapter 22 dictates that she should be stoned to death if she committed adultery, and to the eyes of those around her, that's exactly what she had done. And so uh, she was in danger of very much in the beginning. Although she was not killed, there was a shame that hung over her all the days of her life. But here's what I want you to grasp about Mary. Mary was more concerned about the will of God being done in her life than she was about her own comfort and her own reputation. One thing that we may not realize is that Mary was responsible for much of the Gospels, it was her that would have uh, recounted the birth story to Luke. It was her that would have recounted the story about Jesus at age 12. Uh, and and I, I wonder if there was any inkling in her mind the, uh, the tremendous impact to the millions and billions of people that would be born after her if the stories that she told about her life, which became our holy scriptures in the Bible, Luke chapter 2, which we celebrate every year at Christmas. Did she know the impact of what she would do? Probably not. She was just a mother. She was just being a mother. It was—it's—it's uh, it, it, it's something for us to recognize that God has given you, mom, the same gift that He gave Mary. You may not be the mother of the Messiah, and you say you have no idea. Amen. We're, we don't. We're not the mother of the sons of God. But when Mary was standing by the cross, I believe with all my heart she saw that scene. As a mother, I don't believe for a minute that Mary was standing there and thinking, well, this is the price of redemption. Good on you, Jesus. No, no, she was a mother. She had her heart being torn in two because she was watching her innocent boy try to draw a breath. And I'm simply saying that Mary was a mother just like you are a mother. She felt the pain that you feel. She experienced the frustration that you experience and so much more. You may not be the mother of the Son of God, but you are raising God's children. The Bible says in Proverbs, uh I'm sorry, Psalm 127 3, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. And the potential impact of your child is monumental, just like it was for Mary. Mary was a tremendously courageous woman. Consider along with me the courage that Jesus had. Uh, at the end of his ministry, the Bible says he set his face toward Jerusalem, knowing what it would bring. And it goes on to say in Hebrews twelve two that he endured the cross, despising the shame. I ask you today, where did he learn that from? I say he learned a lot of that from his mother. It was her that endured shame long before he did, and she kept on doing the right thing in her life. You see, mom, you have a tremendous impact in the way that you live and how your children will live and the, and, and their children after them. George Washington said, my mom, my mother was the most beautiful woman I ever saw. All that I am, I owe To my mother, Abraham Lincoln said, All that I am or ever hope to be, I owe to my angel mother. Andrew Jackson, there was never a woman like her. The memory of my mother and her teachings were the only capital that I had to start life with, and on that capital I made my way. Charles Spurgeon, I cannot tell you how much I owe to the solemn word of my good mother. Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he'll not depart from it. Hey, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. Amen? In many ways. Mothers have a unique opportunity to be there in the shaping of a child. The earliest and greatest influence shapes the character of that child for all the days of his life. I took a piece of plastic clay and idly fashioned it one day, and as my fingers pressed it still, it moved and yielded at my will. I came again when days were past, the form I gave it still it bore. And as my fingers pressed it still, I could change that form no more. I took a piece of living clay and gently formed it day by day and molded it with my power and art, a young child's soft and yielding heart. I came again when days were gone. It was a man I looked upon. He still that early impress bore, and I could change it never more. What you do for children when they're young will stay with them for a lifetime. Oh, I think of the impact that this mother had on our Savior as a child. I think of her gentle direction that she she provided as he navigated his teen years. I think of her continued commitment as he became a man. The ties of motherhood are forever. A mother's love cannot be chilled by selfishness. It cannot be daunted by danger, and, and it cannot be stifled by ingratitude. She sacrifices every comfort and loves, even... Even in disgrace dear friend if you have a godly mother today don't take her for granted amen you're in possession of a tremendous treasure a mother can calm our fears or generate our fears if you ever noticed that I love the story of a police recruit a young recruit was asked during an exam what would you do if you had to arrest your own mother now, this question was designed to test his integrity. But this is how he answered the question. If I had to arrest my own mother, I'd call for backup. Maybe you had a mom like that. Amen. In our text, Gabriel came and said to Mary, Hail thou that are highly favored. Literally, that, 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 if you go to the original, Rejoice you who are highly graced. That word favored is graced. Although she was a godly woman, friend, it was God's grace, not only Mary's character, that he could bestow uh, this job on her. And he, it says also, blessed art thou among women, not above women, but among women. Mary learned that her character, if, when she, he said this, she learned her character had been under heaven's closest scrutiny. Ever since Eve, God had been looking for a woman to raise the Savior child one who would have the honor of becoming the virgin mother of God's incarnate Son. Century after century, woman after woman came and went until the day that God chose Mary. She was indeed graced of God. And Mary needed that grace to appropriate the high honor that was hers. In fact, she was no different than any mother here today. You see, here's our mistake sometimes As as, not that I'm a mother, but some mother's mistake maybe, uh, would be to look at Mary and, and see perfection. Mary wouldn't mess up like I mess up. She would react with kindness when a colicky baby cried all night. She would not get frustrated when her child threw up all over her brand new dress. She wouldn't lose her temper when her toddler put a peanut butter and jelly sandwich into the DVD player. She would just take it in stride. She would not be impatient when her well-meaning kids washed the car with SOS pads. That happened to us. I'm not going to tell you how I responded. It was with grace and love. (laughs) Mary would be long-suffering and gentle. Mary would be everything you want to be and feel like you're not. But can I tell you, and this saddens me, behind every great child is a mom pretty sure she's messing it all up. But Mary wasn't the perfect mom, nor will you be the perfect mom. But God used your efforts. And I want to encourage you today, Mom, take a breath. Just stop for a minute. Take some of the pressure off of yourself. Take the advice of Irma Bombek. She said, when my kids become wild and unruly, I use a nice, safe playpen. When they're finished, I climb back out. You know, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. God uses a mother to illustrate His character. Let me recount a few of these. The Hebrew word rachum is used in the Old Testament in Exodus chapter 34 to describe God's character, and it means compassionate. This word is related to the Hebrew word rachem, which is womb. This is a wonderful picture of the compassionate nature of God. Because the womb, from the womb comes a new life because of the love and the care and the nurture of mother. This baby now has a fresh start on life and God will do the same for you, friend. His compassion is the basis of his forgiveness and he can give you a new start as well. As a mother with her child, God is there to help and strengthen you to do what, what you're made to do. Isaiah 41.10, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen you. I will help you, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. One day, a young Thomas Edison came home from school with a letter in his hand from his teacher addressed to his mother. As the mother unsealed the envelope and read the letter, her eyes began to fill with tears. Overcome with emotion as her son was waiting to know what it said, she read this letter to little Thomas Edison. Your son is a genius. This school is not advanced enough and doesn't have the teachers to teach him. Please teach him yourself. Thomas, after hearing those words, was motivated and inspired, and she, of course, did teach him. Many years later, his mother passed away, and at her home, putting things together as you do, Uh, He came across this folded letter from the school. uh, And he read the letter, but it was a different letter than his mom had read to him. She had not read what was on the letter. The letter said, your son is mentally addled. He can no longer attend our school. He is expelled. Please teach him yourself. But the mom saw what the school did not. And it led a great question from author Ilian Jones. I ask you, who was greater, Thomas Edison or Thomas Edison's mother? I'm grateful for her. She made an impact in in our lives forever by investing in him. Your impact, mom, can build or tear down. And I ask you and encourage you to invest wisely. Truly, your greatness can be outlived. In your children, a mother's love is the fuel that enables a normal human being to do the impossible. God's presence in your life can also sustain you through the worst of times. Psalm 34:18, "The Lord is nigh unto them that have a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit." Are you struggling in your life right now? Is Are you overcome with uh, just life pressing in on you and you don't know how you're going to make it through the next day or the next week? There's a God who loves and cares for you and He does so with the same type of love that a mother has. A wounded soldier returned from Vietnam. He was in critical condition. He was blind, his mind was clouded, and uh, he was in critical condition and body mangled up. His mother traveled over 2,000 miles to be by his bedside, and as she entered the hospital room, she didn't say anything. She just laid her hands on his brow. Instantly, he said, Mother, is that you? Mother, it must be you. She hadn't spoken, but he knew her by the tender touch of her hand. And I tell you today, that's the way it is with our God. We can't see Him, but we feel His touch on our lives. We can't speak to Him and receive an audible answer, and yet we leave His presence calmed and comforted and consoled. And how do we do this? I dare say many of us learn this from the gentle touch of our mother. Mom, I want you to know today that you have value you cannot even imagine. Don't define your success as a parent based on your failures. Failure is an event. It's not a person. And so we need to treat it as such. Shake off yesterday's mistakes and missteps and determine today to embrace your God-given role as Mary did. She said this in verse 38, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, let it be to me according to thy word. Basically what she's saying is, God, I don't understand all this. I don't feel able or qualified, but if you put this child in my life, I'll do my dead level best to raise him according to the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And that's all God's looking for. He's looking for a willing heart. Just a word to those of us who still have our mothers with us, uh, especially those who still have their mother at home. Do you know what you can do to make the challenge of motherhood more rewarding for your mom? Express your gratitude to her. Amen? How many times, every time we go to a restaurant, we leave a tip. Amen? What about leaving a tip at home for your mom? Wouldn't that be a good thing? And don't be chintzy. Leave tips once in a while, and uh, that'll make her happy, I'm sure. I recently read the story of Marian Anderson. She was a famous contralto who won worldwide acclaim as a concert soloist. She was once asked by a reporter, what is the greatest moment of your life? What was the greatest moment of your life? And she had a lot to choose from. In 1955, Marian Anderson became the first black woman to sing at the Metropolitan Opera in New York. And then that, then it came the night that she gave a private concert in the White House to the Roosevelts and the Queen of England. In 1963, she was awarded the coveted, coveted Presidential Medal of Freedom. Then there was that Easter where she stood at the Lincoln Monument and sang for 75,000 people. But when the reporter asked her, what was the greatest moment of your life? This was her answer. The greatest moment of my life came on the day I was able to call my mother and tell her she didn't have to work anymore. Being a mother is a difficult role, but you can help it along. Find a fresh and new way to let her know how much you appreciate her and how grateful you are. For her. I challenge you today, if you're able to make sure today that your mother knows how much you appreciate uh, what she has done for you. Jesus did that, even making her a priority while he's hanging on the cross, suffering in his last moments. He made sure somebody was there to care for his mother. His one of his last thoughts was for her. Mary was still alive when the new church emerged. Luke tells us that she was in the upper room in Jerusalem with the eleven and a hundred others in Acts chapter 1, verse 14. The last mention of Mary came when the Holy Spirit came on her and many others on that day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And that's the last we see of her on the pages of Scripture. She remained, according to John 19, 27, uh, she spent the remaining years of her life (coughs) in John's home. We don't know where John lived, maybe at a home in Jerusalem or in Ephesus or both. There's some evidence that Mary moved to Ephesus with John and was a part of that Ephesian church where Timothy was the pastor. Can you imagine being the pastor of Jesus' mother? Tradition says that Mary died in A.D. 43, and then another tradition says she died in A.D. 48, and there's really no way we have of confirming either date, but more important of how and when she died is how she lived and what we can learn from it. She leaves behind a legacy for mothers and followers of Christ alike. But uh, She was the first and final friend of Jesus. She was there at the beginning, and she was there at the end. She was a special lady, favored among women, chosen by God from thousands of others, all because he had a special job for her, a job so special it's only given to the right person, he, we needed her to be a mother. It's the same job he's given many in here this morning. God looked out over the world, and he chose you. He chose you to be the child of who he sent you. And today, we lift you up. We honor you, and we pray for you. And I hope that this is a, an encouragement that, of course, we can always do better in the job that God gives us. But we need to not let ourselves get discouraged in the work. You continue on doing your best for God. And I hope that, uh, the way that God commissioned Mary and she carried it out and she did a good job. She did a, uh, she wasn't perfect. She messed up. We didn't even get into, a, but there was one point in Jesus' life when Mary said, yeah, he's crazy. We maybe talk about that another time, but there was a point in Jesus' life. He's beside himself. Uh, so she didn't all, she wasn't always on point. But overall, she did a great job. She obeyed God and she was faithful. She was there in the beginning. She was there in the end. And I hope that you can make the same impact in your child that she did in the world through hers. All right, let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm going to ask you three questions. When was the last time you thanked God for your mother? When is the last time as a mother that you sought his aid? And then, finally, are you living the kind of life that would make your mother proud? With those three questions in mind, would you stand along with me as she begins to play? The altar is open. If you're here today and you're not sure of your eternal home in heaven, uh, there's somebody can take a Bible today and show you how you can know. Maybe there's somebody here that needs to just get on their knees before God and make some things right. The altar is open as she plays.